Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. So he gives us the exhortation, the stance that guards harmony. It's in the Lord. I recognize I'm a citizen of heaven. I recognize what my spiritual battle is. It's not other Christians. It's Satan. It's the powers of wickedness. Here's a bit of advice. Write it in your Bible. Open up your Bible, put it down in the front or the back. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. Pastor Ed discusses discourse among believers in today's message. There are times when Christians come against each other over petty things, yet they make a huge ordeal over them. The message from the Apostle Paul today is very clear, though. Our spiritual battle, when defined by Jesus, is against Satan and against the evil that permeates our world. We should all be coming together to fight against that darkness and focus on spreading the light that is the gospel, rather than fighting against each other. Now, here's Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 1, with part one of his message entitled, The Stance That Guards Harmony. As we began to study the book of Philippians, it was like Paul the Apostle could see in the horizon a storm that was beginning to rise up. And now he's going to address in a very personal, poignant way in chapter 4 in the book of Philippians. Chapter 4, beginning to read with verse 1. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, it goes to what preceded. So he's looking about at everything that he talked about in chapter 3, especially verses 18 to 21, where he says our citizenship is in heaven, we're to recognize that we're in a spiritual battle. And he's talking about the conflict that we are involved in in the spiritual realm. So he says, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for my joy and my crown, he really loved this church at Philippi. These were believers that he had led to the Lord or was instrumental in them coming to Christ. Now he says to them, that is how you should stand firm. He's referring to everything again in chapter 3, what he's been just saying. That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Eudia, and I plead with Sintika to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, And I ask you, loyal yokes fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul the Apostle is going to give counsel to this church how to promote church harmony, how to encourage unity all through church history. The church has been plagued by disunity 
And it's ripped families. It's ripped communities. It's ripped lives. As people have given way to the tactics of the enemy who wants to come and steal and kill and destroy. Years ago in the community that I served as a senior pastor, in an area close to our church, there was another church that went through an incredible split. The church was growing. People were coming. They were getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. The pastor was a wonderful Christian man. He had a a mild temper. He was uh, gracious. And there was a conflict within the church where one of the leaders who had grown up in the church, he was a good man. He was involved in the Royal Rangers. And uh, he loved the Lord as well. But they had a difference. And that difference spread to the church business meeting. And the pastor, in the moment of anger, said, You have the devil in you. The man said, What did you say? Ah, you have the devil in you. Well, he was infuriated. He became so angry that he decided to sue. And he was going to sue the pastor, sue the church. Well, I believe it was especially, rather, the pastor he's going to focus on for libel, for slander. And so he took it to court. And it went into the court. It was there for months. It was there for a long time. It hit the community. It hit the papers. Congregant sues pastor. Now, people in the community were upset about what was happening. People in the church were upset about what was happening. The pastor was deeply hurt and his family was deeply hurt. And the man who sued was deeply hurt and his family was deeply hurt. I knew both of them and I spent time in talking to both. And I heard both sides of the story. The man won the lawsuit. The court system awarded him one dollar. There was another situation that I was familiar with. A godly man had a burden to start a Pentecostal church in the community that he was living in. He started the church, and uh, the church was independent. It was in his name. Uh, He died. His children were very involved in that church. In fact, one of his children lived in the church because it had an apartment. Well, the children were upset with one another. And they began the fight. And the fighting spilled out into the congregation. I can still remember one Sunday morning they complained. They came to the church and one of the children had padlocked the doors so they couldn't get into worship. Leadership Magazine said that in 38% of the conflicts that churches have, those pastors wind up getting so hurt that they wind up leaving, and some even leave the ministry. And 38% of the congregants wind up leaving. And many of them, may I add, never go back to church. Paul the Apostle says, there's a stance that guards harmony. 
there's a stance that guards harmony. In verse 1, it reads, Therefore, my brothers, you who I love and long for my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. What he's referring to is outside of the church, there were tremendous pressures in the city of Philippi. The church, from its very origin, from its very beginnings, went through rough times. The community persecuted them. They persecuted Paul and Silas. You remember Paul and Silas went up singing in prison and God sent an earthquake and, and uh, they were really supernaturally delivered and the jailer was saved. But turmoil surrounded the church in that community. When there's pressure on the outside... It's sometimes difficult on the inside. When there's pressure that we're going through, perhaps financially, perhaps in our jobs, perhaps just in general within the culture, we will tend to be less patient, we will tend to be more sensitive, and we'll have shorter fuses. And so Paul the Apostle says to them, stand firm in the Lord. I think some congregants misunderstand that. Some preachers misunderstand that. They wind up singing, I shall not be, I shall not be moved, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And they're not singing it to the enemy, but they're singing it to one another. They've dug in, they've decided we're going to do it the way I think we should do it. And that's what happened in this church at Philippi. There was the beginnings of big problems. Now they always start small. If you take care of the splinters, you won't have splits. If you take care of things when they're small, they tend not to grow to become large. Just picture with me Paul's words to this Colossian church. Now, he uses a military term. When he says, stand firm, stand firm, it's a military term. You're in a spiritual army, and you're fighting the enemy, Satan, not one another. In Philippians 1.27, it reads, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. One man. One spirit. One faith. Unity. Stand firm together. The enemy is on the outside. Not on the inside, it's not one another. And here you have an example of battle-weary people turning on one another. And it's beginning in the church of Philippi. It's a spiritual church. It's a wonderful church. Some people wind up just fighting the wrong battles. 
Well, I like hymns. Well, I like choruses. Well, I like short sermons. Well, I like long sermons. Well, I like topical preaching. I like expositional preaching. Well, I like him and I like her. And on and on and on it goes. That's the enemy. And people wind up creating discord. It happens in the church. You know what people do? Hand grenades. They do. They walk on. Let me tell you about her. You think she's so spiritual? They tell. And then they say, let's pray about it. (laughs) And what they do is they throw hand grenades, assassinating other people's character. Real leaders. I'm going to underline this. Real leaders don't pull down other leaders. If you are, you're not standing firm. Where are you standing? You're standing in the flesh. Paul says, stand in the Lord. When you stand in the flesh, you battle in the flesh. When you stand in the Lord, you battle in the spirit. And that's what Paul is encouraging because there's two very good people, two very good women, and they're at odds with each other. So he gives us the exhortation, the stance that guards harmony. It's in the Lord. I recognize I'm a citizen of heaven. I recognize what my spiritual battle is. It's not other Christians. It's Satan. It's the powers of wickedness. Here's a bit of advice. Write it in your Bible. Open up your Bible. Put it down in the front or the back. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. (laughs) You don't. Walk away. Avoid it. So Paul is saying, make sure that you have the right stance. The second thing is the efforts that sustain harmony. Now, parents, please, please, if you're looking for a biblical name for your daughters, don't give them these names. (laughs) Yudia and Syntyche, or Syntyche. Yudia and Syntyche, well, these are two good ladies. And Paul is going to make a personal appeal to them. Paul is going to speak to them to try to bring harmony. And, uh, you know, our fallen nature, the sinful nature that we have, it tends to cause us to fight with one another. Relationships tend to break down. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. They are separated from God because of sin. Cain and Abel in the very beginning, brothers, and they're fighting, and they're they're separated. Sin is that way. And you have to maintain the unity of the family of God. It's something that you have to work at, and it's one of the hardest jobs pastorally that leadership has to do. Maintaining the unity of the body. Sometimes Christians are like porcupines. You know, up in the Canadian winter there, it's cold, and these two porcupines tried to get close together. Every time they came close together, 
they would prick one another. And so they moved apart. And then they would come back together again because they wanted to keep warm. And then they would, again, pinch one another. And uh, that's sometimes the way Christians are. They try and come close and then they, there's friction, there's problem, and they go apart. And then again, they come close and then something else happens. Well, Paul the Apostle is saying, you have to work at producing unity, and there's an appeal that advances unity. There's an appeal. You see, I plead with Judea. I plead with Sintica. I plead with them. Paul the Apostle personally appeals to them. He knows that these two good women, and they're good women, they contended with Paul they were involved in the founding of the church. They both had their name in the book of life. You know, sometimes we want to demonize other Christians who disagree with us. Now, notice it says, agree with each other in the Lord. Now, I don't know what they had a conflict over. Uh, maybe it was a philosophy of ministry. Maybe it was how to run different things in the church. Both of them wanted to do the right thing, but there was somehow a conflict that came. And this conflict began to stir. Jesus knew it would happen. And in Matthew chapter 18, he says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not listen, then take two others along with you. And Jesus counsels us and said, listen, you could take it to the church body, but go and talk to them. You know what we do? This is how it happens. Do you know what she said to me? Yeah. She should have never said that. Yeah. Do you know what she said? Let me, would you pray with me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody bothers to ask, did you go and talk to them? Did you go and try and make it right? Oh, let's go and talk to them. No, 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 I don't want to talk to them now. So, you tell 20 other people. You get on the phone and you tell your side of the story. You know, it's like when people go to counseling sometimes. They go into the counseling room and the counselor gives them the suggestions. And then after a while, they stop coming. And you say, what happened? Well, it didn't help me. What do you mean? They share the scripture with me. Yeah, share the scripture with me. But I didn't like that. No, no, it's, uh, it's the other person's fault. Uh, they wanted me to change. What happens sometimes is we get into these conflicts and we don't follow biblical advice. Instead of going and working things out and talking to people. You know, it's a terrible thing when people have clashes with one another and they bury those things now i mean you don't have to say everything you feel please uh, you'd have no friends if you did that but what happens is you you have these conflicts and you go to somebody and what are the spiritual leaders supposed to do tell my yoke fellow paul advances uh, this appeal for unity, the appeal to advance unity. He says, tell my yoke fellow. We don't know who that was. It could have been Luke. It uh, could have been uh, some other leader in the church. It could have been the pastor. But sometimes you need an arbitrator. 
You need someone who's not emotionally involved to come in and, and help navigate through that. How many church splits, how many differences would be resolved if we followed what the scripture says? You know, I was thinking about the funeral service we had. Attendance was amazing, the amount of people that came out. And afterwards, I was talking to Mike and Rosemary. They said to me that many of those people had not been to church for years because they had attended another church and there was a split in that church and people were hurt, children were hurt, parents were hurt, youth were hurt. And those people lost out in their relationship with God. And, and, and a number of them, that was the first time they were back in church. We have to guard the unity of the church. It's of utmost importance. It's in the Bible. All of chapter 4 in Ephesians 4, where a good part of it is devoted to unity. Now, watch what happens. The next point, the mindset that advances unity. Notice what he says, be of the same mind in the Lord. That triggers off something in all of their minds. When he says, be of the same mind in the Lord, immediately their minds would go back to chapter 2 where the same phraseology, the same words are used. In Philippians 2, 2 to 5, it's the New King James. Fill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then Paul the Apostle goes into one of the great explanations of the humility of Christ. The kenosis chapter, where Jesus humbles himself and takes the form of a man and dies on the cross and suffers for us. This great theological truth has bearing on how I live out my life in the church. That's what Paul is saying. He says, being like-minded. Now, get the picture with me for a moment. Have you ever had the experience, you're sitting in the church, the preacher is preaching, and you feel like, He's talking to me. He has me in mind. Now, could you picture these two women, Yudia and Sintika, sitting there, and Paul says, be like-minded, be humble, consider the other. The white heat, and that's what it is, the white heat of conviction of the Holy Spirit is just boring away at their hearts and they feel it. Now, have you ever felt that? I mean, I have. I felt like, oh, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me. You got my name on this message. Now imagine the preacher stops and then he calls you out by name. Oh, man. Well, that's what happens here. Yudia, Syntyche, Hello, are you listening? 
Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful truth taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. And as trying times enter into your life, it's important to continually keep this at the forefront of your thoughts. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOF Radio 1. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.